Hello, everyone. My name is Logan, and you are listening to the Crown Cast, uh, the cast of crowns, the crown of casts, the the place where we talk about Charlotte FC, the Queen City's football team, into microphones for you all to uh, enjoy our breakdowns, enjoy our ideas, enjoy our thoughts, and enjoy our very special shout-outs, because we have a very special shout-out for you today. Uh, one of the things that we talked about when we first started up this podcast is that we wanted it to be about the community. We wanted it to be somewhere where people could get together and have a great time, where we could highlight the things in the community that were going well. We're so happy with our pro- with our previous sponsor, Potions and Pixels, uh, who is a community member just like that. And we get to work today with another one of these community members in the Innovation Barn here in Charlotte. Uh, They are a part of Envision Charlotte, and they have allowed us to do some really special stuff. Uh, They are very deep into uh, making sure that we have uh, good recycling systems in the city, into sustainability, into circular economies, and they are actually getting highlighted by Charlotte FC for their efforts on the match uh, at the 14th coming up shortly. So we got the chance to work with them in producing a little bit of a video that will go up on the big screen. So this is our shout out to them. And we got to talk with some of the people involved, including our number 13, Brant Bronico. So big news coming out of us. Uh, you know, normally in sort of the second half of the podcast, we do some, some player breakdowns. And this is going to be a special episode. You're actually going to get the interviews from one of the leaders of the city who uh, came in and helped us get football here in Charlotte, from Brant Bronico himself, who we are so excited to have had on the mic, and from Amy, who runs the Innovation Barn and has been making these uh, these efforts to improve this city that we all love so much. And here to enjoy all of that with me is Justin. Hello, Justin. Hey, Logan. How are you? I am thrilled. You know, I <laughs> like legitimately most of the time I'm like, I'm good. And, uh, you know, I think that you know I'm a generally positive person, so uh, that's the truth. But man, I am thrilled. Uh, I am I'm through the roof right now uh, because, like I said, we have a very special episode. We are going to start on Orlando City. Um, Ooh, bringing it right back down, huh, Logan? Oh yeah, you you know me. I, I can't I can't get too positive. Um, it, well, I mean, I think the first thing that we can say is that, and if I'm correct in this, Justin, Orlando City's actual name is Orlando City. S C is that correct? That's right. They are soccer club rather than football club. Oh, and as a team with uh, FC in our name for football club, uh, we will, I think, look down our noses at them. Is that fair? I mean, uh, you know, that and the city of Orlando, you know, they got Disney and not a whole lot else. So <laughs> uh, I think it's fair that we look down our noses at them. All in good fun. Obviously, uh, we did not come out the victor of that particular match, so we have to get our joys wherever it is we can get them. Uh, We talked about it over the the break a little bit, you and I did, and one of the things we came to and we wanted to touch on a little more in our post-react was that uh, T.D. Ortiz, our number 10, is a speedy... Uh, attack forward, eyes towards the goal, drive at the opponent's type of player. Uh, But it hasn't been producing in quite the same way, I think, we as the fans or uh, Miguel Ramirez as the coach 
is looking for. And Justin, you have a pretty good opinion on this. You, you said he was freelancing. Do you want to do you want to go into that a little bit for the listeners? Yeah. And so, you know, what I see when I watch TDRT's play, and I think it's made more disturbing by the fact that as a number 10, he's played for Miguel Angel Ramirez before uh, coming here to, to Charlotte. They, they were together for a little bit in uh, uh, at a club called Independiente del Valle in Valle in uh, Ecuador. Um, so he's played in the system before. And Miguel Angel Ramirez has a pretty rigid system in terms of, of the players need to be in these spots. The players need to look for these are the kinds of passes to look for in these positions. And it just feels like when Christian Ortiz is in the middle of the pitch and, and uh, uh, you know, trying to attack, um, he, he's he's drifting a little bit outside of those positions and he's not necessarily making the passes. And, and a couple of times I saw him making similar runs uh, to, and I think I mentioned this, to Daniel Rios and to Carol Swiderski. And the issue, uh, you know, I think is when you're at the point of this midfield diamond that we're playing, um, you shouldn't be making the same attacking runs as some of our other players because, and I mentioned this in our post-react, it gets a little bit too easy to defend against those attacks. So, you know, it, I'm a little concerned about that. The other thing in this particular diamond uh, that we saw was with Ortiz at the point and uh, Jordi Alcivar uh, playing behind him, it sort of shunts Alcivar out of what I think is his comfort zone from, from watching him play. You know, I think when we have seen the best out of him, he's playing in a midfield that has Ben Bender working, you know, on the, on the wings and has Alan Franco playing behind uh, Jordi Alcivar. And so, you know, it's just... It's it's interesting. It's maybe a little bit difficult. Maybe there's a little bit of frustration in seeing Ortiz and Alcivar playing here together and maybe not necessarily holding the shape the way I might have expected, the way I might have hoped. Um, and, uh, it, you know, it, the other piece with Ortiz, and we mentioned this in our post-react, was... Uh, you know, being a part of that. And he's not the only one who's at fault on this. But the second goal, the defensive breakdown that happened, there's a big, you know, issue, I think, with how hard uh, TD Ortiz is working back. Um, I think it's compounded by a lot of other factors. You know, I, I think whether it's a tactical decision or not, uh, or, or if the player just kind of got pulled out of position, but uh, uh, Jalen Lindsay. I think is supposed to be the last man back. And for those of you who watch American football, this is sort of the, the free safety in a cover zero, right? This is the center fielder who's supposed to be out there making sure nothing gets behind him and keep the ball in front of you. And as the ball pings around from the headers, you know, Lindsay sort of gets sucked forward uh, in an attempt to try and contribute. And that means that the ball over the top uh, springs Orlando free on that fast counterattack late in the, the half. I don't know if that's because tactically Miguel Angel Ramirez had sent everybody forward or what. Um, but, you know, I think it was compounded. We, we talked a little bit about uh, wanted to see maybe a little bit more effort out of Ortiz on that run back trying to cover defensively. Yeah, I'm going to uh, I'm going to cut across you here because I, I, you know, literally just watched this, uh, took the, the time to to set it out and watch it again. And it really does look to me like Jalen Lindsay gets pulled in. Um it looks like he sees an opportunity to keep the press and the attack going. And from my perspective, it looked like the high press and the attack was, 
was really what we wanted to try and achieve in this. You know, we wanted to play further up the field. And uh, listeners of the podcast will know I, I am all for that style. I have that that strong belief that the 1% chances that happen to fire off uh, go for you when you're playing in your opponent's box. But uh, I, I think they're... I'm not sure if it was directive from Miguel Ramirez to really try and push high. I'm not sure if Jalen Lindsay just felt like he had a clearer opportunity to press up than he actually did. But it does, it, to me, look like like Jalen Lindsay thought he had an opportunity and then the opportunity door kind of kind of slammed in his face and went the other way with with really, really bad consequences. Um, we said it in the post-react. The announcers said, what on earth happened there? Um, you know, Christian Fuchs at the end said, what on earth happened there? That's not what we want to see. We don't want to let that happen again. And, and as we talked about in the post-react, uh, Christian Fuchs busted his butt back to that play and, and almost got there. Unfortunately, it does become an easy tap ball across and then just the, the widest open slot ball, pass it into the back of the net home that you can get. But uh, I, I personally have some, you know, maybe I'll, I'll watch the next upcoming matches really closely and see if there is sort of more of a expectation to push higher and a directive to try and control the ball higher up the pitch. And if so, how are we going to deal with breakaways? Because in this game, we definitely saw, you know, two or three really big breakaways. And, you know, one of which we saw Christian McCoon snuff out really well. Uh, and actually, I think it was two of them that Christian McCoon is is ru- running back for and deserves the credit for it. But obviously that one really hurts us. Uh, we kind of switched up our play into the second half. And we kind of moved our shape from a bit of a midfield diamond into more of a 4-3-3. Is that right, Justin? Yeah, so so most of our matches so far this season, we have started in in technically a 4-4-2, so four defenders, four midfielders, two attackers. But we have played a midfield diamond, which means that, you know, we have an attacking midfielder who sits sort of right behind our two strikers, Rios and Swiderski. A lot of times that is T.T. Ortiz. Um, in other situations, that has been uh, Jordi Alcivar, um, then, you know, two sort of central midfielders who distribute and move around. Uh, I, you know, I personally, I think we're kind of at our best if we're playing this midfield diamond, if those two are Ben Bender and Alan Franco. And then uh, at the base of the diamonds, it's a defensive midfielder, usually Brant Bronico. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you have our four across the back. And uh, you notice something as we were playing this 4-4-2 um, that, that you called out. You want to talk about that for a second? Uh, that we that we moved up into a bit of a four four three is what you're talking about. No, the the pivot and the shift of the sort of turn of the field. To oh let, uh... yes, absolutely. So uh, one of the things that we discussed off mic was that I felt like this team had the possibility to sort of unbalance the field and shift Christian Fuchs out there on the left side a little bit higher up the pitch and use his experience and his technical quality. Uh, to keep the ball with a little bit more strength, to recycle the ball cleaner, to play a little bit more deadly passes, and and drop Jalen Lindsay a little bit back, uh, and kind of not play a three at the back, but but tell our left side defense that it was going to be able to push up and create overloads, and and kind of inform Jalen Lindsay on our right 
that while he was still expected to get forward into second phase attacks, etc., that he would also have to be a little bit more cognizant of his defensive responsibilities in the back. And I think what we saw today was how that affected both sides of our field. Uh, I talked about it in with very enthusiastic remarks that Christian Fuchs looked amazing. Uh, he did a lot of things really, really well in that last game. He was, he was fighting hard. He was showing his technical prowess. And one of the questions I had for you, Justin, was whether you felt like we did tilt the field a bit. And maybe in making Christian Fuchs, who is a very experienced, very adaptable player, uh, maybe giving him a little bit more of his, his green grass and his happy space, maybe kind of unbalanced a few extra players, one of them uh, including Jalen Lindsay, who we both agree did not have his best match. Yeah, and, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I think it is a good idea to make use of Christian Fuchs in the attack. I, I don't know, definitely not along the back line, but, but, you know, there are very few on the team who send in better crosses uh, than Fuchs, who change the point of attack better than Fuchs. And um, play a through ball, you know, the, the kind of pass that splits a couple of lines and goes into space for somebody to run onto. The, the issue, the concern that I've got is if we're tilting this way, yes, it seems to throw some of the other stuff off balance. Because we're playing such a narrow diamond through the midfield, though, a lot of times when folks is pushing forward like that, we don't necessarily have somebody out on that left wing to support him. I'm not saying that Fuchs needed a lot of assistance, but I think he needed another player out there. He needed another body out there to play some one-twos with, to pass the ball around. And I think in the second half, when you saw the 4-3-3, uh, you know, as the formation shifted, as substitutes came in, we looked better in the attack because of it. And I, think, I don't think there was really a change in... Fuchs getting forward through the second half. I think what changed was there was the support of a player like Kamil Yazwiak stepping out on the, that left wing to be able to play some passes back and forth. Or Ben Bender being a little bit more aware in that center of the, the pitch when to slide outside and provide that support and make those passes. And Yeah, and one, know, one I thing I, I am going to just hop, hop in here really quick because one thing we have to say is it is already clear that Kamal Yazwiak demands space. Um, he he gets respect from defenders, uh, and he hasn't even been on the field that long. You know, he's now played that substitute appearance and the match against Greenville. Uh, and even in that time, we can already see that defenses have to be cognizant of him, or at the very least, right now, defenses are giving him that respect. And I wonder if that's opening things up for Fuchs as well. I mean, I think it has to. And I, I think that there is also an aspect of, of Yazwiak's game that I think really supports Fuchs in that Yazwiak has played some wingback before. Mm-hmm. So Yazwiak, I think, is more familiar than some of our other players out on that left wing at supporting and interplaying, you know, with that left back and being able to provide a little bit of speed defensive coverage, a little bit of positioning. Obviously, there's still growth and experience within the, the side that's necessary. But it makes me hopeful for the future. So we were talking about this before, that if we do push the field up the way we we appear to have tried to do against Orlando, where we try and have that 
that higher line and, and try and hold the ball and, you know, win possession back high up the field. We're going to have to deal with counters. I mean, sooner or later, the best midfield press in the whole world gets countered. And you really need a defender who, who is willing to take on that duel, um, who, who has the speed and has the drive and has the, the, that mentality of, I'm not going to lose this duel. And I think we have a very good one in Guzman Corujo. But I, I was sitting there thinking about it over this last sort of span of time. And in this system, and Justin, I'd love your opinion on this. I think we have both said that Christian McCoon is young and has made mistakes that have cost this team dearly. But in this particular system, where you need a defender who is going to be able to fight his way back, run that long space distance, keep up with the fastest players in the league, and and be strong on the ball. Do we have any other defenders in this team who you feel like fit that better than Christian McCoon? I feel like those are his strongest suits. I don't I don't think so right now. You know, uh I I have I'm on the record for the things that I, I dislike about Christian McCoon. I'd love to see him play out of the back a little better. I'd love to see him be a little bit more comfortable on the ball uh, uh when we start the attack. But when you know, when he played the way he did against Orlando and he's willing to get back and he's smart at the coverage, you know, the the one breakaway that he shut down, there were plenty of opportunities to try and dive in mm-hmm. and go for the tackle and probably end up taking a piece of the man and then you leave it up to the official whether or not they're going to call out a penalty and they probably will. Um, and instead, he was real patient with it. He was real smart with it. And he laid down a block at just the right time. And, you know, I, I think it's everything you could ask for for a central defender getting back and covering a breakaway. So, you know, if he can keep doing that and maybe maybe improve some of these areas where, you know, he is he is great at breaking up the, the breakaway, but he's susceptible to the high press. Yeah. And that can be, uh, uh, you know, dangerous if he gets caught in possession. It's not it's not a long breakaway where there's time for somebody to make up distance and get back and cover. It is a quick, you know, it's a quick turnaround where where, you know, we could be in a lot of or, uh, very bad shape from it. So, yeah. So um, we're going to we're going to push on from this um, because, uh, well, I think this was an interesting game. I think we saw some stuff that Miguel Ramirez wanted to try. I think we saw the players work out in a new system, and unfortunately playing a pretty well-rated team in Orlando City, it didn't work. Um, we, did, uh, we, did, we did leave Orlando City's grounds with a loss, and we get to come back to Charlotte, North Carolina, where we have mostly done the good things thus far in the season. And one of those good things that you can do if you are a fan of Charlotte, North Carolina, or if you are a fan in Charlotte, North Carolina, is... Uh, go play a very popular local sport uh, known as Disc Golf. And we are very excited to be announcing our newest sponsor, AHA Disc Golf Shack. Uh, For those of you who are not familiar with the sport, it is absolutely huge here in Charlotte, North Carolina. You are essentially playing the game of golf, but you use very specialized frisbees or discs uh, in order to progress your way through the game. It is 
one of the most popular areas in the whole world in our hometown. And AHA Disc Golf Shack is one of the community members that helps players out. They put on events for people to go and enjoy it. They bring discs out to local parks so that you can go out there and try and learn. And Aaron, the man who runs AHA Disc Golf Shack, is actually going to put on a promotion for us that if you mention uh, the Crowncast while at AHA Disc Golf Shack, uh, you will get a 10% discount. And if you're a new player, he will help you put together your first ever set of discs. He will personally go out to a field with you, show you what you need, show you what you don't need, make sure you're not spending any more money than you need. Uh, You'll still get that discount from him, and you can go out and try a fantastic game that is local to Charlotte and uh, fun to play. Justin, I know you play as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a great way to get out. Uh, it's a great sport to go out there, and, and the level of competitiveness is entirely up to you. Uh, you can absolutely outfit yourself at a place like AHA Disc Golf Shack with a full set of all of the different uh, discs you might need, uh, distance drivers, putters, mid-rangers, hyzers, and hyzers. Uh, or you could play the way I do and just take one disc out there. Uh, so the barrier to entry can be very low or very high. It's entirely up to you. Uh, great sport to take kids out to play. Uh, there are some very easy, very fun courses. Reedy Creek is a great one to, to get started at. Uh, great time to take the dogs out, uh, get a little bit of exercise. And it's also a lot of fun to just take, you know, a group of your friends out there, maybe a few beers and wander the woods, throwing some discs. All right. Uh, I do believe that is about enough of that. So we are going to jump into some news before we get into the interviews. And uh, Justin, the news has been all over for Charlotte FC this week. Uh, You want to talk about some of the trades we've been getting here? Big week. Big, very busy week. Um, And and some of this goes back to our talk a little bit about that 4-3-3 and you know, if we play three attacking players, we've got a left winger now in Kamal Yazwiak. We might need a right winger. We may have we may have found one uh, in some of our recent. Uh, uh, there's a trade and there's a signing of a new international player. So we have traded with the Colorado Rocky or with the Colorado Rapids for Andre Shinyashinki, and uh, this player he's uh, actually the 2019 MLS Rookie of the Year. And if you remember our match against Colorado, this is the player that from inside the box slammed it against the crossbar and almost won the match for Colorado. And uh, he's now coming over here to Charlotte. Um, He is a a strong attacking player. Like I said, he was the rookie of the year in 2019. He's a goal scorer. Um, uh, Another attacking player, we have signed a guy by the name of Kerwin Vargas, who most recently was playing in the Portuguese second division. Um, and so he uh, is a new international pickup for Charlotte FC. Uh, he's going to be coming over here and start training with the team, hopefully before too much longer. So mm-hmm. we're going to get a couple of uh, new attacking options. Um, I think given the fact that we've spent some serious money, uh, 225000 in general allocation money for Shinya Shinky, right, uh, with a potential for that go up to 400000 Um and, you know, Vargas is coming over on an international player contract. He's getting some some serious money. Uh, I would expect these players to feature and feature fairly quickly. You know, I don't know if these are necessarily going to be um, starters immediately. Uh, I, I would I would think maybe Shinya Shinky is going to start sooner rather than later. 
Yeah, I think uh, Shinya Shiki has the experience in the MLS, so he, he may be able to come in and fire off a little bit quicker. Yeah, uh, uh, Vargas is a 20-year-old. He's going to take an international roster spot, uh, and he's part of the U22 initiative to bring some some younger international players over. Our other U22 player that I'm, I'm aware of, Vincinius Mello, uh, he has not played yet this season due to injury, but he's another uh, young attacking player. Um. Well, I mean, so, I, I think know, that's good that we're we're seeing more attacking options come into the side. Uh, we are uh, now seeing some other news that Nick Kelly, uh, the CEO of of Tepper Industries, is is leaving, and and we have some questions about this. Uh, Justin, what's happening with Nick Kelly, and how does it affect us? Yeah, so Nick Kelly took over as team president of Charlotte FC in just in December of 2020. And then took over as the CEO of Tepper uh, Entertainment, which is the holding company that owns both Charlotte SC and the Carolina Panthers uh, just a few months ago. And it, it stepped down today. This is the 4th of May. And, and all of a sudden he has stepped down. There is an interview that came out in The Athletic just uh, just about a month ago, I think. And he talked about all of the big plans that he had as the CEO of Tepper uh, Sports Entertainment, um, about expansions for Bank of America Stadium, community programs, all sorts of work that he intended to have going on. And so it's a little surprising to see him leave. Uh, I will say not necessarily directly related to, to Charlotte FC, but the Carolina Panthers had some major issues recently with uh, a training facility that, you know, we thought there was a, a agreement set in stone and construction had started in Rock Hill, South Carolina to really get a new uh, you know, state-of-the-art training facility for the Panthers up and running. And all of a sudden, the entire deal imploded after work had already been done. There's hundreds of millions of dollars at stake. Um, and it's very confusing. It's very messy. There's been a lot of, it seems sort of bad blood between you know, the, the Tepper organization and some of the local governments. And um, so I have no idea. I'm, I'm speculating right now that that has anything to do with Nick Kelly leaving. Mm-hmm. But uh, it is surprising. Um, we have no idea yet what that means for Charlotte FC. Uh, I can tell you that personally, what I hope that means is a change at the top might mean uh, a change in pricing or or seat you know seat availability things like that maybe uh, with a new CEO with new decision makers in charge we see maybe part of that op- upper bowl opens up or maybe average price in the lower bowl drops from you know fifty five down to something more reasonable uh, so yeah this we'll this have to is see. something this is something that we have wanted to see for a while and we've talked about that that maybe more seats become available at a more available price point. Um, because as you you mentioned earlier, very early in the podcast, if a family of four wants to go to a game, it is a expensive endeavor right now. Uh, but uh, with all of that put out there, I am going to go ahead and move us along because we have a couple of very interesting interviews that uh, we would like to get to and we would like to get you, the listeners, to. So uh, you're going to hear uh, slightly different audio. We apologize, we weren't able to do the interviews in our normal location, but we did get to interview some really cool people, so we are going to send you over to that right now. 
All right, so uh, this is Logan Meyer. I'm here with the Crowncast, and I have a very unique opportunity today uh, that I get to be sitting across the table from one of the heads of the city of Charlotte, which is, of course, the city that we love so much here. Uh, I mean, for everything that we do with its community, but also for its lovely football team. But I am here with a man who has requested I call him Larkin. Uh, Larkin, would you like to introduce yourself? Tell the, the audience who you are. Yeah, glad to be with you. I am Larkin Eggleston. I am the District 1 Council Member on the Charlotte City Council and um, going to be part of the video that we're making today to highlight the Innovation Barn, which is in my City Council District. Yep. Uh, we thank you absolutely for coming out today. Uh, I was given the great opportunity by Amy, who we'll hear a little bit from later, to come out and talk to you and possibly Brant and Amy about what they're doing here at the Innovation Barn and Envision Charlotte. Would you like to tell us a little bit about the work that they've done, and then if there's anything you'd like to highlight, um, if you can make it as relevant to Charlotte FC as possible, <laughs> great. But this is a chance for you to talk to the mic. So if there's anything you'd like to highlight, go ahead and, go ahead and give us your, your talk. Yeah, so the relevance to Charlotte FC is that Charlotte FC has provided the opportunity to envision Charlotte and the city of Charlotte to highlight the work that's going on here at the Innovation Barn over in the Belmont community just outside of Uptown. And so what we're trying to do here is working with local groups and, and folks who are kind of at the forefront of sustainability, uh, environmental stewardship, green practices in our community to divert things from the waste stream. There's, if you come by the Innovation Barn, you'll see art that's made of found items and things that would have otherwise ended up in a landfill. You'll find um, an aquaponics lab. You'll find a furniture maker who's using wood from trees that have fallen in our community. Um, so anything that can be done to divert stuff from the landfill and find another use and another life for it, um, there's those sorts of initiatives going on here at the Innovation Barn. Charlotte C has allowed us to make a video that we'll be able to show at one of the upcoming matches. Um, Brant and I are going to be a part of that video. That's why we're here today and hopefully have a little bit of fun with tying in soccer and the excitement around Charlotte FC with the excitement we've got at the city of Charlotte for what's happening here with Envision Charlotte at the Innovation Barn. That is amazing. And I am going to go ahead. You're going to get one more question today. And I like to do this. You'll find you're the first victim here today. I will do it with the other two as well. But I like to have one question that I don't let you prepare yourself for. So you know, we get the, the real on camera. And that is, you are wearing a Charlotte Football Club jersey. Uh, for those of you who don't have the honor of seeing what I'm seeing, uh, he, he did choose the black and mint one, which I have approved of. Uh, how, how did you come across uh, football, soccer, however you choose to call it, as a fan or, you know? Uh, I was a pretty casual fan. I'd been going to some Charlotte Independence games over the years, um, gotten to know some of those players and some of the people that are involved with the Independence and still enjoy going to one of their games. Was uh, was at one of their matches just last week, as a matter of fact. Um, and they're having a great season in USL League One. Um, but started paying more attention and trying to learn more about the uh, the beautiful game. The beautiful in game. the last couple of years because I was part of the city council that approved some of the deal that allowed for Charlotte to get the MLS club and so um, was excited to be a part of that have play a small role in, in making that history for Charlotte and I wanted to be educated on the sport I'm a big basketball and football fan and um, have been going to local sporting events ever since I lived here for about almost 20 years now um, but really didn't know as much about soccer so started to pay more attention have gotten to know a couple of players uh, Brant most specifically really great guys and um, and they're a fun team to watch so I've enjoyed it so far I got to go to the first match up in DC against United uh, so that was cool to see them on the road for their first ever match and got to be part of the home match where we broke the uh, all-time MLS attendance record fans. against the Galaxy so um, I, I 
maybe a bad luck charm because I've I've not been part of a win yet or any even any points yet. But um, I hope that's coming soon. Well, uh, with the way we've been playing at home, if you show up to a couple more home yeah. games, uh, you'll find me in the supporter section waving like a madman. Uh, and the, like I said, the way we've been playing, a home game may well be the first points you see live. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to take up too well, much. Well, and the oh. two matches that I was at, we didn't even have our full roster built out yet. Oh, so, yeah. No. I, mean, I mean, if memory serves, Carol Swiderski wasn't even playing in the DC United match. So, um, so uh, I'm not going to take up too much more of your time today. I am going to say thank you so much for taking a few minutes to sit down with us. Uh, you know, one of the things that we see as fans, as podcasters, as the people in those stadiums is that the overwhelming support for Charlotte FC obviously comes from the people around it, but that can't happen without the, the leadership that comes in and creates the opportunity. And I'm so happy to see the opportunity you guys have put forward as leaders of Charlotte and even more happy that those stands are almost always full. Yeah. Larkin, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Uh, as you may have been listening to previous interviews that we have had today on the Crowncast, you know that today is a little bit more special than your average day. We got the chance to talk to Larkin. We got the chance to hear a little bit how leaders of the community bring about the beautiful game. But I have the honor of sitting across the table from one of the men who actually brings about the beautiful game. Uh, I am here with a very special guest in Brant Bronico. Hello, Brant. Hey, I appreciate you having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, uh, this is a, a really special day to get the chance to sit down uh, because, you know, we take a look at what you do on the field every day. We are the fans. We're the ones cheering in the, in the stands and waving the flags. And uh, so to, to meet one of the men who, who goes down there and gets the, gets the work done is a, a great thing to see. You are here today to promote the Innovation Barn. Uh, which we are all doing some work here with to see how the city is going about uh, sustainability and recycling. And I think that goes a long way to showing how uh, the members of the team and the leadership in the community are willing to, to work with the community. How did you end up here? Um, so I got connected with Larkin uh, a while back. Um, and, you know, he, he kind of reached out to me and he said, hey, like, would you be willing to do this? Um, and I said, yeah, yeah, like, of course, you know, I mean, uh, a company like, you know, Envision Charlotte that's, that does so so much for the community and the city, you know, I, I'd be, I said I'd be more than happy to do that. So um, it was it was pretty much a no-brainer uh, to help out help out a nonprofit. Yeah, and uh, they will be highlighted in one of the upcoming games. So look for Brant Bronico and Envision Charlotte and uh, the barn here that we're sitting in up on the big screen while you're in the stadium. But we got to do a lot of weird, fun things today. I got to see a little bit of the background of how commercials are made. Uh, we even got to see you head some plastic into some shredding containers. Can you tell us a little bit about how that works? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a ton of fun, and it was kind of cool to learn about it. Um, they said uh, they used those, some of those containers to make uh, sustainable bricks, um, which I thought was cool that our help to, they build some actual tiny homes, mm -hmm. which is even cooler than I, I had no idea about. So. You learn something new every day, and it's even better when it's good for the environment. Um, but yeah, we had we had a lot of fun today. I got to stare at some fish and 
and also I ate, ate a couple leaves uh, in the barn, so it, and, it, was, it was a good day. And I will say all of that is just as awkward as it sounds. I'm sure it will look way better once we get it into the fancy video, um, but you will be able to see a little bit of that on our Instagram. Uh, you'll get to see Brant getting to literally pick a leaf off of a leaf tree, I think is maybe the best way to describe them. I guess so, yeah. Uh, I think all trees are leaf trees, but, uh, and eat it. Uh, on to more of the football stuff. And uh, we tell everyone we decided to call it football early on. Uh, so you are essentially our starting defensive midfielder for Charlotte FC. You are the first point to move the ball out from the defense and the first line of defense... Uh, to protect the defenders behind you. Uh, You have a lot of weight on your shoulders at Charlotte FC, but it's not all about the weight. Can you tell me a little bit about the joys that come along with getting to play for Charlotte FC? What's your favorite moment so far? Oh, man, I think my my favorite moment has to be probably the win over Atlanta United at home, Um, just because... They they got a late one against us in their place, and mm-hmm. that was it. Just felt like oh man, like we maybe we felt like we deserved more points out of that one. Uh, but when they came to our home and and we came out with a one zero win, um, not only like does it feel good to beat a local rival, but it says a lot about the character of our guys uh, to kind of bounce back and and get that win and also keep a clean sheet. Mm-hmm. Um, but that just felt like the the best moment. I mean, my wife was there, my my parents were there, I had a lot of friends there, so. It was nice just to share that with them and the team and, and the rest of the supporters that we have. Amazing. And I will tell you, you are not alone in that moment. <laughs> uh, that's one of the most popular moments of Charlotte FC so far, and all the data we have proves this, is, is that win over Atlanta United. I think everybody felt like we owed them one. And to see you guys go out there and take one back, a lot of fun from every single side. Uh, one of the other questions I, I sort of have for you is the joy that we experience as football fans you know, we talk about those high moments and those, those feelings that rush through us as we watch our TV. You know, uh, I assume you've been a lover of the game for all uh, of your of life. Of course, of course. Uh, are those moments amplified when you're actually on the field? I mean, uh, are they, uh, do you still get the same this is happening feeling when you're the one making it happen? Or is it a little bit more reserved until later on and then it hits you later on in the day? No, no, it definitely, like, definitely still, you still get that feeling, um, and you kind of have a sense of responsibility, because, you know, every youth soccer player, well, at least for myself, I grew up, you know, watching the beautiful game, and I loved, my favorite player was Frank Lampard, so Mm -hmm. I watched Chelsea a lot, and I know what it's like to watch a game and really want a team to do well, Um, and I know when a team does well, and like, for wins, and I know how it feels when when teams lose, Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, kind of... I mean, I have a lot of pride for this club. Um, I have some roots in the city. So it kind of, it's like a, a hometown club for me. So it, I say, like, for me, it might mean even more. But I know out there, I always feel like a sense of responsibility. And I definitely get just as amplified or amped, if, <laughs> if not more amped, uh, yeah. for playing for Charlotte FC and, and really wanting to, you know, please the supporters and, and help the club do the best that it can. Well, that's, that's really great to hear that, I mean, in, even in the moment, you guys still get that, that rush because, well, that's what we get as, as football fans, and, and you guys get all that plus the, uh, plus the workout, I think right. is probably yeah. the right way to say it. Um, so one of the last questions I'll have for you today is you have become an icon of the city. Everybody knows the number 13. Everybody knows the name Brant Bronico. And so you have this sort of unique opportunity in 
being so in the vision of the people to pass along uh, a message from you. And so to all of those people who once were you, uh, who were grinding their way through lower leagues or who were adults who love to play on Wednesdays and just go out and have fun kicking a ball around, what is your advice to all those people? Not necessarily about becoming a pro. What's your advice about loving the game that you love? Right, yeah, I think, so, the, main, the most important thing that I kind of live my life by is just, no matter what, you got to believe in yourself. That's the number one thing, because if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else is going to believe in you, for you, especially. So, number one, you got to believe in yourself. And then once you believe in yourself, number two, you just go and you, you control what you can control. You know, you go out, you do your best every single day, and... If you, if you kind of have those feelings and have those emotions towards what you really want in life, you know, eventually life will give you something back. And, um, you know, luckily I'm blessed to have this opportunity to play for, for Charlotte FC, my hometown club, and, and to be the starting number six for them. So, yeah, I think, you know, to recap, believe in yourself and control what you can control every day. Well, uh, we are excited to have this opportunity to have you sitting down with us. We know that you control our central defensive mid uh, in a way that we have been very proud of so far, and we hope long may it continue. We love having you. We love seeing you out there on the field every day. But we are going to let you go here. We know you're a busy man. Brant, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, I appreciate those kind words, and thanks for having me on. Okay, so if you have been with us at all today, uh, you'll know that we have had a number of very interesting interviews, and uh, they're not stopping. We don't stop inter interesting interviews. We just keep them going uh, because we have saved the best for last, and that is because somebody has to make everything possible. And I am here with a very special guest that has made everything possible. We cannot say thank you enough. There are not enough thank yous in the whole world uh, for Amy. Hello, Amy. Well, hello there. Uh, well, you know, hopefully my introduction there has, has said all of my feelings on the matter. I got to be here. I got to see the video work that you guys are doing to highlight the Innovation Barn, to highlight Envision Charlotte. Uh, and wow. I mean, just what a cool experience. Uh, so all the thank you from us that you brought us in here, that you let us uh, join you on this little endeavor. And, you know, the questions now get to roll into you. And that is... Uh, you're, you're the doer of the things. You're the one who makes it happen. Tell us about Innovation Barn. Tell us about Envision Charlotte. Tell us about what this place is and why everyone else should get the joy that I have had out of being here. Well, thank you. I, I don't know how to follow it up with that kind of introduction. I'm just going to bring you everywhere with me, all right? <laughs> oh, good. I'll, I, you know what? That's fine. I'll, I will stand behind you. I'll just be like, meet Amy. Um, Perfect. Um, yeah, so Envision Charlotte's been around about 11 years, and we lead sustainability efforts um, for Charlotte. And about four or five years ago, we decided to kind of transition from the four pillars of sustainability into a more cohesive look at sustainability, and that's called the circular economy. So how do we transition from a linear, where we basically take something, we use it, and then we throw it into the landfill, to a circular economy where we have zero waste. And so we embarked on this project about four years ago. And so we have created the Innovation Barn, which is it's, it's first of its kind in the country. No other city has done something like this, which is an innovation center that is focused completely on the circular economy and closed loop systems. And so it's pretty exciting to bring it here to Charlotte. Oh, yeah. And for those of you who have not had the opportunity to be at the Innovation Barn, 
just being here is an experience. Uh, you can walk right through all of the various uh, systems that they use. Uh, we talked earlier about the fact that Brant Bronico was with us and literally plucked a leaf off of one of the trees we have behind us here and, and just ate it. Uh, you can walk into a room where there's a full hydroponic system set up and a whole bunch of fish, and they'd be happy to tell you all about that. But uh, beyond all that, Amy, can you tell me what has been your most fun experience with this barn so far? You know, I love it when people come here and they've never seen aquaponics, which has the fish and the plants, or seeing plastic shredded. Like, that is like people's highlight. Like, they get to see plastic shredded, and then we turn that into bricks or filament for 3D printers. And this is plastic that the county doesn't recycle. It would go to the landfill. But we're able to take it and turn it into products. And that's the whole vision here, right, is how do you keep things out of the landfill, create innovation and jobs. And so that's what gets me excited. And when you can marry those three, keep it out of the landfill, do something really innovative, and create a job, I mean, win, 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 and for the environment. Beautiful. Yep. I mean, uh, you know, you talked about it being circular. You talked about it being closed loop, and and it really does seem like you've you've looked at every angle you can possibly find, uh, including the fact that this place isn't just about recycling. You can also get a pint here if you'd like. Is that correct? Well, I mean, we're in Charlotte. Come on now, you can't have a facility like this without a bar. So yeah, you can get local beers and wine um, down at Repor and then learn all about the circular economy. So, you know, we had to make it fun. Yeah, uh, and you absolutely did it. In fact, I can vouch for this in person because the reason I have had the honor of meeting you, the reason I'm sitting here now, was I came to a beer event here uh, where there were dozens and dozens and dozens of beer vendors set up. It was a fantastic time. Uh, that was my pregame before I went to that particular Charlotte FC game, which is how all of this has happened. <laughs> Uh, it's an interesting world out there, people. Do not be afraid to go out and experience it. And please, 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 if you get the opportunity, reach out. Find them anywhere you can look up on social medias, the Innovation Barn CLT. You will find it. It is worth your time. Is there anything else you'd like to highlight about the barn or about your work here specifically? Well, I would just say that if you go to EnvisionCharlotte.com, and you can look at everything we're doing here. And if you want to volunteer, we do volunteering every Saturday, 9 to 4. So there's sign-ups for that. Or you come have a beer. We're going to start kids' classes. Calling, it's called Shrooms and Shreds, where you get to make your own lunch and learn about urban farming. So we have activities all the time. So I encourage people to check out the website and then come, come visit us. It sounds like there's a whole level of things even I don't know about yet. Um, so maybe I need to check that website out and, and get a little bit more knowledge in. Uh, you are also sitting in front of me wearing a Charlotte FC jersey. And like uh, like Larkin before you, and like Brant Bronico, uh, you also picked the black and mint one. Uh, how did it come about that you became a fan of Charlotte FC? Well, I played soccer when I was growing up. My, my son played soccer all through high school. Um, and we are PSL owners at uh, Charlotte FC, so big supporters. And uh, you said your son is also an Arsenal fan, correct? Yes, he is. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so you know you're in good company. At least I'm in good company. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us. Uh, really, again, we appreciate the opportunity you've given us here. And hopefully we come out here more often because it's been great to be here and great to see you. Great. Thank you so much. Welcome back to the regular studios of the Crowncast. Uh, we hope that you have enjoyed hearing from, uh, from Larkin. 
We hope that you enjoyed hearing Brant Bronico's voice as much as I enjoyed interviewing him. Uh, and we hope that uh, you enjoyed uh, hearing from Amy about the Innovation Barn and all the things that happen there. I mean, Justin, it's not every day you get a treat like that, that you get to, to talk to those members of the community. Yeah, and I think it's great that we had an opportunity. I, I think it's awesome that uh, such a young podcast gets an opportunity to, to highlight a lot of that. So, yeah, we, we can't. Very exciting. We can't say thank you enough, uh, but we also can't say thank you enough to you guys, the listeners, as ever. Uh, we love you, and we are going to go ahead and sign it off. So just for now, goodbye.